Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. You don't think that it's time that somebody cared enough to have a dream? Why are you getting so upset? This is not about you. Yes, it is. You are a human affront to all women, and I am a woman. At some point, you got to decide for yourself who you are. Can't let nobody make that decision for you. How do you go about getting an exorcism? I beg your pardon? Hi, this is Mark Kermode. Thanks for downloading this Kermode on Film podcast. Um, I hope you're having a good, well, festive period. I'm joined by Jack Howard. Jack, Hello. How nice are to you? see you. I'm very well, thank you. How We're, are you? I'm good. We're both sitting here having just done our tests. Yes. I'm looking at one singular strong line. Yes. Is, it, is that whole thing? It's like the, the, the T line. Is, it's a strong. It's a strong line. <laughs> no, no, line. it's the C. The T oh, is no, no, bad. Oh, that's the bad one. The T is bad. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, there's not even the faintest whiff of a second line, that's which right, is good. C is control and T is test, right? Uh, I think C C is clear. Core, oh. good job, and T is terrible news. <laughs> okay, and are you double vaxxed? I am double vaxxed. Yeah, I've got my uh, booster booked in for January first. Okay, <laughs> which so that's... is going to be a weird New Year's Day. Well, that's great. I've got I've had my had my third. I had my third one done um, a couple of weeks ago now on Dean Street. They had a they had a walk in on Dean Street, mm. and it was great because I turned up and. The, there was a security guard there because apparently they have you know anti-vaxxers turn up and I mean seriously they have three security guards because wow. of the because of and, the idiots because of the idiots yeah because yeah, yeah. uh, incidentally if you're listening and you're an anti-vaxxer please stop listening there yeah. are many other podcasts out there that you will enjoy much more um, <laughs> oh actually no no stay I think actually there's some stuff that Mark would like to say to you <laughs> <laughs> no Mark's not going to go into that anyway of course the thing was so I take one look at this guy and he looks like when I say he looks like me, he doesn't look like me facially, but he looks like me. He's a middle-aged bloke, you know, middle to older age bloke, short hair, slightly paunchy, you know, Harrington's a, I think we must have played in bands together. <laughs> we start talking, within five minutes, we've established that we know Tim Polcat, Bosbore, do you know what I mean? We yeah, just go right, through the right, list right. of people that we know. And uh, so it was, re- it was really good fun. It was really sort of nice just sitting there for an hour outside the things. Bonding with the room. bouncer. Bonding with the bouncer that is always always a nice thing. Anyway, so Jack, we have met up to do our traditional top and bottom, uh, you know, best and worst films of the year. We, we're not going to do ten because we're going to do ten in total. We're going to do five from me and five from you, yes. both both for the best and the worst. So, shall we start with the best? I think so. Yeah. I mean. People say end on a high, but I think actually it'll be quite a highlight to hear us ranting about the things that we didn't like. Okay. Can I just ask you generally, do you think it's been a good year? For film? Yeah. No, I mean, <laughs> yes, obviously for everything else it's been a... Do I think... Yes, I actually do. I think that um, I'm looking forward to... There's obviously some that I haven't had a chance to see yet. Yeah. You've now seen The Matrix. Yes. But I wonder how I'll feel about it when I've seen that. I haven't seen that. I've, there's a few that I haven't seen, like The Hotter They Fall and The Power of the Dog. Like These are movies that I just want to get around to seeing. Yeah. But I think what's happened is that there's been like a coiled spring 
because obviously 2020 happened and all these movies got got delayed and now 2021 is like chock full of like really really good ones that were supposed to be from last year as well yeah we should say that we're recording this on the this is the 20th mm. and at the moment uh, the semblance of normal life is going on yes by the time you're listening to this podcast i don't know we don't know where we don't know, we don't we don't know where we'll be so please you know please bear that in mind we are talking from the from the world of the twentieth, and it is a rapidly evolving situation every day. So they're talking about potentially lockdowns and stuff, but God knows what. I have no idea. Who knows? Absolutely no idea. Same question though. Do you think it's been a good year for films? Yes, I do. I mean, weirdly enough, uh, partly that thing that you said that there was a whole bunch of stuff that got delayed, and then you know, so No Time to Die came out this year. Mm. Dune mm-hmm. came out this year. A bunch of stuff that was kind of meant to come out a while ago, um, but also, I. I mean, I remember, I've said this before, Barry Norman, the film critic who was from before your time, who was the BBC's film critic, he used to do the film programme when it was the film programme with Barry Norman, Film 78, Film 79. And most film critics of my age kind of grew up with him and, you know, Roger Ebert in America. And he always said this thing that in any given year, the percentage of good and bad movies is exactly the same. The the difference is what you see. Mm -hmm. And... There is some brilliant, I mean, there are some really wonderful movies that were released in the UK this year. So just to clarify, when we say films from 2021, we mean films that opened in the UK 2021. So some of the films we'd be talking about, you know, may have been made two years ago because of everything that's been going on. Um, But no, I think it has been a good year. And I have seen enough great films to make me think, wow, you know, the world of cinema is still thriving and wonderful. So let's start, okay? At number five, the rule that we had before was, when we count down, if any one of us says a title that is in the other one's top five, we hold off Regardless discussion. of whether or not it's in best yeah. or worst. Okay, so shall I start or do you want to start? I think you should start, yeah. Okay. What's your fifth worst... No. Fifth best. What's your fifth best Yeah, we're not doing the, the worst. Year. I know you're chomping at the bit to <laughs> sink your teeth into Clifford the Big Red Dog. Um, which actually <laughs> he's is, too big. He's too big. Oh, yeah, sorry, you're part of that as well. Yeah. <laughs> is the problem that he's too big or too red? It's just, you know... I think the problem is that Jack Whitehall is in it. <laughs> did, did you see the sorry I'm, I'm delaying the list again did you see this amazing Graham Norton moment when Graham Norton said to Jack Whitehall it's a big thing for you because this is your first time doing an American accent on uh, in a movie and Olivia Coleman who had just seen the clip goes when that, in that, that no, no, right. <laughs> I, did, I did see that I did see that yeah. she's amazing are you doing an American protect accent, her yeah. at all costs yeah she's great okay so at, best. at number five, and I think this is an indication of how great the year was, Titan. Now, Titan opens on Boxing Day, so that you won't have seen it no, yet because it's not out. So this is the Julie DeCorno film. Um, Julie DeCorno made uh, Raw, uh, mm. which I absolutely love. And it's it's a movie that's, it looks like a cannibal movie. I mean, it's a movie about cannibalism, but it's not about cannibalism. Again? Yeah, but it's coming. No, no, not Titan. Oh, Raw. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, no. She hasn't done that. Twice. <laughs> I was going to say, like. So she made this film, which is about sisterly bonds and family ties and coming of age. But it happens to be expressed through the, you know, through the vocabulary of of horror cinema and, and cannibalism. So then, many years later, now Titan comes out, and Titan is a. Ri- I mean, Raw is a very hard act to follow. Titan, I think, is a brilliant follow-up because it's such a different film. It's essentially a film about a young woman who, at the beginning of the film, is in a car crash that her father is kind of the cause of, and she gets a titanium plate in her head. 
and she develops a kind of autoerotic fixation with cars, much in the mode of David Cronenberg's crash, which famously was denied the Palm Door because Francis Ford Coppola hated it. And then what happens is that you think, oh, it's this film. Okay, that's wow. You know, it's going that way. And then it suddenly changes and becomes another film when what she has to do is to disappear. And in order to disappear, she shaves her head. She binds her breasts. She breaks her own nose and she goes to the police and says, I am a young boy who disappeared over a decade ago. Oh, wow. And Vincent Lindon is the father who then takes her in. And it's very Return of Martin Gare. Um, he kind of knows that it's not, but he sort of, but he wants to believe it is. And it becomes a film about unconditional love. And what I love about the movie is, I mean, I love Julie DeCorner's films anyway. What I love about it is it's really a film about love, but it's told through the medium of, you know, serial killers and gore and mechanophilia and all this weird stuff. And it's not about any of those things at all, but it's got all those things in it. And I just, I've seen it a couple of times now. And the first time it was just like, wow, this extreme cinema rush, you know, gosh, she's really outdone herself. The second time round, it was like, yeah, no, this really is, this is, this is a film about unconditional love and all the rest of this stuff, which I love incidentally, because I love extreme cinema and I love horror cinema. And, um, you know, she famously, when she was a young kid, was left in a room with the Texas Chainsaw Massacre on the television. <laughs> and she found the that will shape you. <laughs> she found the, the sound of the chainsaw very soothing. Right. Yeah. And uh, so, anyway, I love it. It's it opens does it, it feel like? Does it feel like it is a um, not a? I guess like a spiritual follow up to Raw. Does it feel like it's in the same family? It does. It, the same family is a very good a very good phrase, which, which I now wish I'd used in my review. Um, yes, it, it is. You've always got to keep me around. This I know. Is, this I know. Is why. I know. It's definitely in the same family, but in the in the way that families can have very very different components. It's mm. a very different film, but it's definitely from the same family. I wish I'd seen it. I wish that I'd I'd had a chance to see it before we talked about this. The now. next time we talk, we'll, we'll I'll check it out. I mean, there are things in it. I mean, a lot of people don't like it. Yeah. Raw, I struggled with okay. purely, purely because of the content, like because of the, it because of the cannibalism, because it's so it's so a lot, um, so a lot, it's so a lot. Um, Have you ever seen Cannibal Holocaust? <laughs> I no, wouldn't. No. Um, yeah, I think even Cannibal Ferox. No. Cannibal I, Apocalypse. No. no okay. <laughs> I think mostly it, like the image that's really sticking with me from Raw is like her eating the raw chicken. Even yeah, yeah, yeah. It was just like ugh, just yeah. just it's just hard to watch those sort of images sometimes. Like there's some things that just. I don't know. Like, I'm fine with most stuff, and then there's things like that. And I'm just like, oh no, I'm not. I'm not into this. Like, you, this... you could try Cannibal Women, Cannibal Women in the Avocado Jungle of Death, which is actually it's a, a very... gateway one, is it? It is a gateway one, <laughs> and it's written and directed by the guy who wrote a script that became Pretty Woman. Oh wow! Yeah. Oh wow! I know. I know. <laughs> I always love pointing that out. That Pretty Woman is written by the guy who made Cannibal Women, Piranha Women. It was called here because they weren't allowed to use the word cannibal in the title in the Avocado Jungle of Death. Anyway, that's my number five. What's yours? My number five is Come On, Come On. Okay. Is that in your list? No, it's not. But tell me, I, oh, it's, a lovely, it it's a lovely film. Okay, go ahead. So, Come On, Come On stars uh, Joaquin Phoenix. It's directed by Mike Mills, and it's about um, Joaquin Phoenix. I can't remember what he, the character that he plays, but he's um, a documentary 
like an like a podcast documentary, a radio and, documentary, yeah, maybe, yeah. yeah. And he's doing a project where he's interviewing children, and uh, simultaneously it turns out that he has to go and look after his nephew because his sister, who he hasn't spoken to for a long time since really the death of their mother, yeah. um, they uh, she has to go and look after her ex-husband as he's dealing with some mental health issues and so leaves the child in the custody of Joaquin Phoenix's character. And it's about them bonding. It's got sort of Kramer versus Kramer kind of vibe to it. Oh, it's, that's interesting. I hadn't thought of that. Yeah. But yeah. No. Okay. Fine. It's got a little bit of. I mean, it's actually shot by the same person who shot Marriage Story, who, mm. whose name escapes me right now. So it's definitely got that kind of vibe to it. It's definitely got uh, a romantic, old-fashioned, almost Woody Allen sort of relationship with with New York. Yeah, because it's black and white. Yeah. And all those the conversations of people walking through the New York streets shot in a way which very, very much. Kind and it's of got this LA versus New York sort of thing going on which yeah. is 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 obviously very like Woody Allen as well uh yeah I just thought it was adorable and brilliant and emotional and I loved particularly how it blended documentary and fiction because it felt almost like Mike Mills wanted to make this documentary where he spoke to children and asked them questions really really like the really deep thought-provoking questions and to see what they would say and he's put it within a fictional story yeah. at the same time. So these, and I am these, right in thinking that those bits they, they are, are real, dog, they are they real are. aren't they? They do seem to be completely yeah, genuine. Completely yeah. genuine, yeah. And uh, the 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 young boy who plays the the son in it, um, I think he is. I mean, I would just hand him the Oscar for best supporting actor. Great, He's it? so good. He's so incredible. And you know how it can be. Like the kid in Marriage Story is annoying. Yeah. The Kid in Marriage Story is a pretty good actor, but he's pretty annoying to watch. Whereas this kid does some annoying stuff, but he never annoyed me. And I thought it was really brilliant how, how they managed to weave his performance through it. I don't know how he did it. Even that feels like a magic trick to me. Yeah. Um, but I thought it was great. I loved, I loved it. Yeah. No, I thought it was really good. And I love the music. I love the way it uses music. It introduced me to the music of the San Francisco saxophone quartet mm. who play a version of Claire de Lune that yeah. sounds like it absolutely should not work. And then you're sitting there going, this is the most beautiful thing I've ever heard. What on earth is it? Oh my word, it's the San Francisco <laughs> saxophone quartet <laughs> playing Claire de Lune. <laughs> what? How is that possible? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it does, it just works. Yeah, and it's got, you know, the Honky Tonk Nun playing on it as well. And there is just, the, I, I was... I was sort of in love with the soundtrack mm. even more than I was with the film but I thought it was lovely as well to see Joaquin Phoenix after Joker Joker yeah just go okay we'll just dial this down to yeah. about one mm. I've seen a lot of people speaking online being like can we all just pretend that Joaquin won the Oscar for this one <laughs> <laughs> which, which of course doesn't happen because you win you win Oscars for, for the bigger ones for big showy yeah, performances yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but not for very cool oh, that's a lovely choice that's a lovely choice to visit planet earth you'll have to be born as a human child at first you'll have to learn to use your new body to move your arms and legs you will learn to walk and run to use your hands to make sounds and form words. There will be so much for you to learn and so much for you to feel. Sadness, joy, disappointment, and wonder. You will grow up, travel, and work. 
Over the years, you will try to make sense of that happy, sad, full, always shifting life you're in. And when the time comes to return to your star, it may be hard to say goodbye to that strangely beautiful world. Damn this book. You're crying. No, I'm not. Yes, you are. You're definitely crying. See, you're crying. <laughs> <laughs> when you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Right, at number four, the winner of both the BAFTA and the Oscar for well, best foreign language film, as they call it, BAFTA's best international feature here. Another round, or Druk, as it is apparently called, which I think translates as drunk. But when I talked to Thomas Vinterberg, he said that Druk has got an implication of binge drink. And it's, for me, Matt Mickelson's best performance. And mm. I think he's, you know, that's a, that's a high bar. Yeah. And it's a group of men who decide to experiment with daytime drinking to see whether or not it improves their life. And they, they're working on the basis that they've read this scientific article which says that the, bod, the human body is born with an inbuilt alcohol deficiency. And what happens is... That <laughs> which is they, already funny. Which, exactly, which is already funny. <laughs> just a way of justifying this. And they start having just this maintaining this very low alcohol level and suddenly everything's brighter, everything's better, everything's a little bit, you know, it's like microdosing alcohol. And then, of course, what happens is that they start taking more and they start, and things start falling apart. And the thing that's fascinating about the film is that on the one hand, it's, it, it, there is a lot of comedy in it, but it is a, it's a proper tragedy comedy. It was made in incredibly tragic circumstances because Thomas yes. Vinterberg had lost his daughter, who was very important to the project. You know, it was, it was very much something that they were doing together. And so he was going through an, a, a, you know, a, a family tragedy when he made the film. And of course, when he did his Oscar acceptance speech, and I think, you know... We spoke about this. As well. Yeah, it was... I mean, I don't know I don't know how you could manage to be so together to do that, but I thought he spoke incredibly movingly, and I think the film's wonderful and genuinely transcendent. Mm. And, and look, I, I've never made a feature film. I've made stuff over the last few years, and I've just finished making something in the last five months, and it's been hard enough just in general to to get something made i can't i can't fathom what it would feel no, like no. 
to to do something that is as all-consuming as filmmaking whilst also dealing with the loss no, no, of, I, of something like yeah, that. No, that it's, is, it's just... It's inconceivable. And what's remarkable is that the film is so... I mean, the film ends with a dance number, you know, with Mads mm. Mikkelsen doing this jazz ballet. And it's buoyant and hopeful. And certainly that's not a plot spoiler. Um, buoyant and hopeful and life-affirming. And I think Vinterberg said this, that, you know, that he wanted the film to be life-affirming, mm-hmm. that that was what it was, because that was the spirit that he was trying to capture. And, I, you know... I just think it's such a, it's such a moving film, and it, there are bits in it that are hilariously funny, and mm-hmm. bits in it that are just absolutely, you know, unwatchably painful. I think it's his best film since Feston, um, and I, you know, I've really liked other things like The Hunt. I think he's a brilliant filmmaker, but I just think Mads Mikkelsen is so, yeah, so great. It's nice it. to see Mads Mikkelsen. I've only seen it once, but it feels, and in the best, the way that the best films do, it feels like a dream when I remember yeah, yeah, it. Yeah. It's got these, like, it feels like I was drunk when I watched it or something. Like, yes. it's got all these, like, yes. bits. Yes, that... again, you've got, you, you know, you've, you've exactly pierced it because it's like, it's like when you say it's a family relative. It feels like you're drunk. It's the best screen uh, incarnation of intoxication that I've ever seen. Mm. You feel intoxicated watching it. It's mm-hmm. like everything's a little bit brighter, a little yeah. bit, you know, and also a little bit careening and, out and, of and it is just sort of like jumping between like the highest highs and the lowest lows. Yeah. Like, and it is like those, it's yeah. sort of doing that. And it was nice to see Mads Mikkelsen because he's very often cast as the villain you yeah, know, which is... since Casino Royale and he's played Hannibal now and, and now he's going to be the, the replacement for Johnny Depp in is the Hannibal Fantastic Beasts who gives I mean? a shit anymore films. <laughs> um, is, that, is that what we're officially calling <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah, from now on, that's what we'll call okay. it. But yeah, it's nice to see Mads Mikkelsen do something like that and I thought it was, I thought it was fab. Yeah, it was Fantastic great. Fantastic Beasts, who gives a shit anymore? <laughs> Coming soon to a theatre near you. <laughs> Okay, so that was my number four. What's your number four? Uh, King Richard. Oh, okay. Wow. Yeah. I, To be honest, the best way of describing my feeling to do with this is that I was so underwhelmed by it when I heard it was, when it was being marketed. I was like, hang on, so we're doing a film about... Okay, this is the father of Venus and Serena Williams, who then became their trainer, and it's yeah. the story of him <clears throat> and his wife, played by Ingenue Ellis, um, both of whom are awards contenders, as far mm. as I understand. So tell me what you loved about the film. Yeah, well, th- it was because I heard, like, okay, so we're doing a film about the Williams sisters, but it's about their dad. Yeah, because it's not really about them. Exactly, and I was like, okay, that seems a bit weird to, to, to sort of, make their story about this guy and I had no idea what I was going into but the entire way through I was just completely hooked completely charmed and it it's just it's just brilliant it's just really really fantastic from the beginning um Will Smith brings his obvious on-screen charisma I just remember the moment when he, he I think he gets out of his van and his his wife is about to go and do her shift at the she's a nurse and she's yeah. about to go and do a shift and he says something it's a very Will Smith line where he says like you're really doing it for me in those nurse shoes or something yeah. like that <laughs> and it's like I immediately feel like I'm charmed by this guy <laughs> and then they, they with his character in particular they do this dance constantly with like oh he's so supportive he's so wonderful he's so like present with his children and there's like there's this neighbour character who doesn't 
really like what he's doing and thinks he's like almost borderline abusing them by like making them work so hard but you know by watching what he's doing that he's actually doing a really really positive thing for them and then every now and again it's just like oh no yeah no he's, he's insufferable not, he's not great yeah yeah he's a bit weird oh he's, he's making that a bit about him a bit so and it constantly does that but it never leans too far one way or the other yeah. it's constantly balancing him in this really complex way and i think it's finally finally will smith is good in a film that is also good yeah and it feels like a long time since i've seen that because he he's picked some odd projects he has he and, has. and do you know what else the tennis was really really great in it the on-screen tennis worked so well yeah okay and that's very rare as well because i think that's that's it there's certain sports i think that work really well in cinema yeah and there's some that just kind of don't really work well the sexes had great had great yes, tennis it yes it did yes it did i wasn't a big fan of that movie to be there's honest. also the great paul bettany movie wimbledon which I have seen, but not for a long time. But like, the, I was just very, very surprised by how good the tennis was in this. I think that I think the thing that works really well about King Richard. It's very interesting that you picked it. I hadn't mm. I hadn't had it as a contender at all. But I really, really think that Will Smith is a massive, massive part. of that I think as well. he's. I think he's very good. I think because you know the sisters are executive producers yes, on the film which I was not I was happy to see that because I was like is this going to be like a really like well, unofficial glorified version of yeah but it's it does a very good job of not glorifying yes. I think I mean the best scene and I think it's it's the scene that you know will end up at you know at the awards ceremonies is the yeah. one when she says to him you don't think you should have asked me first? Yeah, that that scene in the kitchen is, yeah. is fantastic, it's, and that's just brilliant, isn't it? Because in a way, that she kind completely of, deconstructs him. Yeah, and it's a brilliant scene, and she's great in it. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I mean, I was really pleasantly surprised by it. That's exactly I, how I felt. Yeah, pleasantly surprised by it because I had no, I, I actually was expecting it to be a bit of a dud. Okay. Yeah. Well, good. I mean, mm. you know, it's I know I think it's a I think it's a really a really and, it, and it, like you say, it's lovely to see. Will Smith being great again. I interviewed Will Smith for Radio 1 when Independence Day, or ID4 as wow. they were calling it back then, came out. And he was he was just fantastic. I, you know, I had like 15 minutes with him, or 20 minutes, whatever mm. it was. And he did that thing about, for the 15, 20 minutes that you're in the room with him, you think that you are the most important person in the world. There's a couple of movie stars who do that. It's like the, the you know... The, I'm giving you the experience of meeting Will Smith. Exactly. And, I, and, I, and we did this... And it, I, this is what I remember really clearly... We did this gag at the end. Um, this sounds so naff, which is why I'm going to tell you about it. <laughs> you know the thing when at the end of Independence Day, the end, in the middle of Independence Day, when he punches the alien. Welcome to it, Earth. It, it, welcome to Earth. <laughs> <laughs> which, by the way, is now a real documentary series that Will Smith is presenting called, called welcome, welcome to, to Earth. Earth. Oh, I didn't know that. Okay, yeah. fine. Anyway, so somehow the conversation this is how good Will Smith is because I'm not naturally very funny okay I disagree somehow thank you somehow Will, I did set that up somehow <laughs> Will Smith got the conversation round to a thing when it was like you know you punched an alien but I you know but I, I and he said something like again well you I, you could take me you know look at you you could take me and I went you think and he went yeah 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 give it your best punch because it was radio right and I went all right and he, with perfect comic timing, went, "Oh fart!" You know, and he did. <laughs> yeah, 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 it yeah. It was just, it, and I thought, "I've just done a gag with Will Smith. <laughs> I, I must be really great." And then I remember when Men in Black came out. Um, Tommy Lee Jones said, "The secret of comedy is to stand as close to Will Smith as possible." But it was lovely to see him doing something that was. It was a really good, solid role. Yeah, it was a really nice balance for him, where he gets to be charming and funny, but also like that charm and, and that that funny personality becomes what you just described as insufferable like sometimes he's like he's too much of a showman yeah yeah and that's not the role he should be playing in this point and so you're like no 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 back off like that's this is not 
yeah. what you should be doing. Yeah. yeah, I thought it was really, really brilliant. I also wanted to mention as well that it's uh, shot by Robert Ellswit, who shot There Will Be Blood. Yeah. And I think he is, because he also shot one of the Bond movies, he shot Tomorrow Never Dies, he also shot two Mission Impossible movies. Like, So he does like huge, big blockbuster films and then does like smaller, you know, not like There Will Be Blood is small, but like smaller yeah. Um, I think there not, will be blood is not small. Yeah, it's not small, but it's not Bond, <laughs> no, 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 globetrotting sure. kind of yeah. stuff. And I think in this, it's really nice that he... It's like a really understated movie, the way it's shot. Yeah. It's not showy. Yeah, no, not it's, showy. But it's yeah, beautiful. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. I think it's it's great that somebody like him is doing a movie like that. And I think that tells you a lot. Because clearly, visually, he was like, this is a story that I think I want to tell. And he could have been doing, you know, whatever, like another massive, massive movie. But it's nice that he wanted to do that. Yeah. Yeah. And I thought that was a really nice point of it as well. I got these two great tennis players. All we need is a club. Everything to go from prodigy to pro. Raise your hand, Serena. Venus Williams. What you think? Nobody's taking that bet. Tennis takes expert instruction. It takes families with unlimited financial resources. It's like asking somebody to believe that you got the next two Mozarts in your house. Venus and Serena gonna shake up this world. Okay, so on to number three. And because, look, because this because this isn't take... We always do this. We say, we'll do this, it's gonna be one podcast. It's not. We've now do you remember been... when we did Nolan's and it was, oh, like, it was like... It was like four. Yeah. <laughs> it was stupidly long. No, it's just so. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to. I've just literally made this decision. We're going to divide this Fine. in half, and the only way of doing it is to divide. I'll do my number three, and then and then we'll break, and then we'll carry on because the, because we're not going to get this. You know, <laughs> this whole thing about podcasts are meant to be this long, and then we turn them in, and they're like three times as long. <laughs> could you? Could you just? We've never had on? any complaints. No, no. I mean, could you have too much of a good thing? No. No, well, there we go. <laughs> yes, I've always believed that more is more. Yeah. Okay, so on to number three. And at number three for me is The Green Knight. Oh, I haven't seen that oh, either. See, I love I missed it the in the Knight. cinema and I actually got a bit depressed when it was like simultaneously released on Amazon Prime. I was like, oh, that's a bit annoying. Yes, I don't want to have to it, see it there. But it was in cinemas. And it, it was and, and I missed and, it. And it nearly wasn't in cinemas. Mm. You know, it ne- there was a point when it wasn't going to get a cinema release. It looked like it was just going to go straight to streaming and then we did end up getting a theatrical I'm going to watch this over Christmas. So here's what I love about The Green Knight. Um, David Lowry, who I think is a really interesting director, when I was at college, we did Sir Gawain and the Green Knight, or Sir Gawain, you know, now everyone says Sir Gawain, back then we all said Sir Gawain, you know, because who knew, right? <laughs> so I'd read it when I was at university, and I found it a little bit of a slog, and then just recently, because Simon Armitage, the Poet Laureate, Simon Armitage, my friend, the Poet Laureate, Clunk. Simon Armitage, thank you very much, just pick that name up, <laughs> um, did a translation of it, um, which brilliantly kind of opened up to a whole new audience, I think. And then along comes this film, which is based, I mean, inspired by, takes some liberties, but based on Sir Gawain, or Gawain, whatever you want to say, and The Green Knight. And you go, okay, I'm, I'm not sure I'm on board for this, because, and then you watch it and you go, this is a work of genius. Dev Patel, brilliant. Love him. Kate Dickey, brilliant. Sean Harris, brilliant. Everyone, Brilliant. And the film looks fantastic. And I saw it in a cinema and I'm really glad I did. I know most people probably would have seen it in the you know, streaming services, but it looked marvellous in the cinema. And the thing that was so great about it was, it was like you take a Middle English source 
which is, you know, a work of great poetry, and you turn it into a 21st century film that is a work of great poetry. And yes, it's different. Of course, it's different. It's a film. It's a totally different medium. It's absolutely everything about it is antithetical to the source. But the the the, the poetic sensibility of it is, and I like the essence is the same. I think so. And I got in touch with Simon Armitage because what here's what happened. I wrote my review, and I sent it to him before it before it was published to say, just tell me, am I have I got anything wrong? Just factually wrong. And he said, no, no, no. He said, it's all fine. He said, there's a thing about the date. I had I had given it a date. And he said, that date is uncertain. Mm. I know everyone thinks it, but we don't really know when and blah, blah, blah. So it was, it, that was really lovely. But I said, have you seen the film yet? And he went, no, I haven't. I can't wait to see it. And I said, I can't wait for you to see it because I think you will love it. And I haven't spoken to him since then. And I want to know whether he saw it. And I want to know whether, you know, whether he loved it because I get the feeling that he, as a, as a scholar of this stuff, would absolutely love it. Dev Patel is so good. I think he's brilliant. Yeah. I think he, like... I Has he ever been bad in anything? No, no. Like, he, he is, he just always brings it. And you know what? His, his performances are, are never similar. Like, he's... No, no, no. He's always completely different in his roles. Did you love him in David Copperfield? I absolutely love that film through and through. And, and can you believe... so funny Can you it. believe that that is the same guy who we saw in all the other movies before when he was the kind of... You know, he started out doing the sort of slightly weird, gawky roles, mm-hmm. like you know, this is a slightly difficult misfit, and then he, he's... and then he's the same guy that, that was in Lion. Yeah, I'm like, that is, it's a completely different human being. Yeah. He, he is amazing, and I can't believe maybe it's his choice that he's still doing more independent works, I suppose. But I'm surprised he hasn't shown up in a huge movie yet. That's I think he chooses brilliantly. Yeah, I, I think, think so he too. chooses his roles brilliantly because most actors at the point in their career that he is have got some stinkers yeah. in their back catalogue. And I'm struggling to think of one. I'm no, really think struggling so. to think of and he yeah, no, I can't think of a film in which he's bad. I actually can't think of a bad I'm sure there is one that I'm <laughs> not thinking of, but no, I think he's marvellous and I loved the score and I, I I loved the way it looked and I loved the way it felt. I just felt like it was it was like magic. It was mm. like watching magic. And I know I hear it's like really like weird and like um what's the word? Like it's just a bit abstract and strange. Dreamy. 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 Yeah. It is very, very dreamy, but not in the way that you know, people always talk about John Borman's Excalibur being, you know, like a kind of like a dream. And is it, you know, you brought me back, all that stuff. I'm not, you know, Green Knight feels to me like, you know, when you, you know, when you have a dream, you don't think, oh, this is dreamy. You think this is happening right now. Yeah. yeah. It's only dreamy in retrospect. Yes. Well, that's what Green Knight feels like. To quote Inception, dreams feel real while we're in them. It's only when you wake up that you realise that something was actually strange. Is that a direct quote from Inception? Do you know the whole of Inception off by heart? I wouldn't put it past me. (laughs) (laughs) But that is a direct quote, yes. Okay, well, in that case, that is perfect. And I wish that I'd said it. So that's now two things that I wish that I said in my review. Damn. Oh, greatest of kings, indulge me in this friendly Christmas game. Let whichever of your knights is boldest of blood and wildest of hearts step forth. Take up arms and try with honour to land a blow against me. Whomsoever nicks me shall lay claim to this my arm. Its glory and riches shall be thine. But... 
My champ must bind himself to this. Should he land a blow, then one year and Yuletide hence, he must seek me out yonder, to the Green Chapel, six nights to the north. He shall find me there and bend a knee and let me strike him in return, be it a scratch on the check or a cut in the throat. I will return what was given to me, and then in trust and friendship we shall part. Who then? Who is willing to engage with me? Are we ending it here? Is, it, is this the first part? Yeah, because we've, we've droned on for half an hour. So that's my number three. So, so far, there's been no matchup. Yeah, no. So far, there has been which no like. matchup. Yeah, so do I. So join us again for the next podcast in which we will do number three, the three. other number three, yeah. two and one. So it's a top ten with each of us doing it. You know, you understand how this works. Um, thanks We're still for, droning on. We should just wrap going. this up. We should go. Do you want to do the out? Um, thank you so much for listening. You can um, download this... Mark Kermode podcast. I don't remember what you say. Um, you can find us on Twitter at yeah. Jack Howard at Kermode Movie, or the podcast is at Kermode on Film. There is a Patreon as well. There is. Although we haven't filmed this one, we usually would film them. No, but we're doing this under strange circumstances, yeah, Jack. You know, yeah. it's just nice to be in the same room. Yeah. You know. And if you do have any any requests as well of things that you'd like us to talk about, please do get in touch. Yeah. We do like listen to what you're, you're well, what you're saying. As is demonstrated by the fact that when we've got through this, you and I are going to do a spoilerific Spider-Man No Way Home because I'm doing very enthusiastic nodding because somebody tweeted you and went. Jack, why yeah, don't you and Mark yeah, do a spoilerific yeah. Spider-Man No Way Home? So that's on the way. And we, again, when we get to that, hopefully, you, if if you want to see, you will have seen. I mean, the fans will have seen it already. But we will we will flag up that we are going to spoil the hell out of it. Yes, it's gonna. There's gonna be no stone that hasn't been unturned. Is that the phrase? Whatever. No turn unstoned. That was the, the, the variety thing, the variety show. No turn on stoned. We're still babbling on. I live through my music. I hope you can live through it too. I suffered for my art. Now it's your turn. Okay, all right, fine. We'll see you on the next podcast. Bye-bye. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work.